0: Well, good evening once again. Can I have you turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4? Now, last week in our study in 1 Peter, we were in chapter 4. We got to verse 10. Let me read it, where Peter says, As each one, each Christian, has received a gift, and he's talking about gifts of the Holy Spirit, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of of god now last week we said that nothing has generated so much controversy among evangelical christians as the gifts of the holy spirit debate has done Uh, much of this controversy comes from ignorance as to what these gifts are and how they operate really and we said that much of that is because in charismatic circles of course you have your ultra-conservatives that think most of these gifts have passed off the scene. All the, what they call sign gifts, tongues and prophecy and healings and miracles, they're all gone, uh, they tell us. They, they ended it at the end of the first century when the apostolic period came to a close and the New Testament canon was finished. Those gifts passed off the scene. I don't believe that's biblical. But for those in the charismatic realm, uh, a lot of the confusion and all comes from the fact that the younger generation of Christians in these churches are watching their parents exercise the gifts, and so they're just trying to replicate uh, what their parents are doing. Instead of going back, there's, there is very little teaching that I have seen in a lot of charismatic, ultra-charismatic churches where they've actually just taken the Bible and gone through each of these gifts and explained from a biblical perspective what they are and how they function. I've heard some of the most bizarre interpretations with regard to some of the gifts. We'll share some of that as we go. It's obvious that a lot of these folks have never taken the time to really get out their Bibles, pray, and go through it, you know, verse by verse in some of these passages that deal with the gifts of the Holy Spirit to really find out what God has actually said. So we want to do that. Uh, It's sad that there's so much ignorance, so much ignorance as to what these gifts are which in itself is very sad because paul opened the premier chapter on spiritual gifts in first corinthians 12 with these words in verse 1 now concerning spiritual gifts brethren i do not want you to be ignorant isn't it ironic that the one thing paul said i don't want you to be ignorant about there is so much ignorance in the body of christ about I think we need to to study this, okay? I think we need to spend the next few weeks looking at these gifts, especially because we are a charismatic church. Now, I know some people have accused us of being Baptist. Why? Because when you come on a Sunday morning, we're not exercising the gifts. The gifts that we're exercising are not the ones that are typically associated with craziness. You have people ministering. You have people serving. You have teaching going on. You have various, you know, people helping each other and so on and so forth. These are all gifts of the Spirit in operation. But we don't prophesy and speak in tongues and all that stuff because where there are new Christians or unbelievers visiting, Paul said, Look, let the Spirit of God just teach the Word of God. That's what brings conviction. That's what brings conviction. We want them. To come and hear the word, not be turned off because everybody is exercising these gifts in their liberty. They're having a great time. But it's confusing, chaotic. And new believers and unbelievers have never been trained in this and they think it's craziness. And so they run for the hills pretty much. Now, once again, by way of review, I need to point out that before we actually get into the gifts tonight of the Spirit, the uh, gifts of the holy spirit are different as we said last week from the natural natural abilities we were born with uh, as we said last time when you and i were born into this world god gave us natural talents and abilities some of you are gifted artists or musicians or athletes or you have some other ability or gifts that you have but these are natural talents and abilities Uh, that God gave us. We were born into this world physically. They are very different, or I should say the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit are very different from natural abilities and talents. Every one of us were given a gift of the Holy Spirit. Actually what it is, and somebody likened it to the gifts of the Spirit to uh, primary colors on a painter's palette. In fact, some believe that there's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. I think there's probably more, but I see where they're coming from. Okay. But they liken these nine gifts to primary colors on a painter's palette. And the idea is the Holy Spirit dips a little bit here and there, you know, and a different, uh, you know, intensities and, and different gifts and mixes them all together. and creates a unique blend for each individual Christian so that when he hands you, you didn't realize he handed it to you, he gave it to you, imparted it to you when you got saved. You didn't realize what he had done. But he knew you were going to get saved. He knew it before the foundation of the world. And, the, and God had already purposed what gifts he was going to give you and what blendedness and intensities. because whatever gifts you got, blended together a gift, but I think it's really several, it perfectly equips you for the work he is going to call you eventually to do. That's why it's so important that we understand what these gifts are. And as we said last time, you know, every Christian has spiritual gifts, but not every Christian really uses their spiritual gifts. Uh, we talked about Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 and 7, where Paul had laid hands on Timothy to receive a gift or gifts from the Spirit, and the Spirit gave him something. But Timothy was afraid to use it for some reason. And so Paul admonished him, Timothy, you got to start stirring up that gift. you got to start using it. Uh, remember when I laid hands on you and the Spirit gave you uh, whatever gift that was. So you don't have to use it. You can be afraid. In some church circles, any talk of spiritual gifts, it, it creates panic among some people. They think the Spirit's going to force stuff on you, you know? And uh, you're going to be in the checkout line get, paying for your milk and bananas, and all of a sudden, you're going to start speaking in weird languages. Oh, I, I can't go that. Well, you know what? Calm down. Uh, it, it's all good. It's all good. Fear comes from ignorance. And if we understand the gifts, we won't be ignorant, we won't be fearful. We'll know that it's of God and it's good, okay? Now, when it comes to uh, spiritual gifts, the most comprehensive list of the gifts comes out of 1 Corinthians 12. So do want you to turn there, and for the next few weeks, that will be our focal passage. Let me just read to you verses 8 to 10, kind of lay a little groundwork. Paul said, Now to one, to one Christian, is given the word of wisdom, through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Let me stop there. Guys, this is not, as I said, an exhaustive list of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, later on, in verse 28 of 1 Corinthians 12, he mentions two more, the gift of helps and administrations. And then Paul in Romans 12, you don't have to turn there, verses 7 and 8 mentions five more. He talks about the gift of ministry, and then teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, and finally the gift of mercy. In fact, Peter mentions two of the gifts in 1 Peter 4, 11, that Paul mentions in Romans 12, the gifts of speaking, which is teaching gifts, and ministry, service gifts. And then in verse 9 of 1 Peter 4, uh, he mentions, uh, admonishes believers to be hospitable. Now, many believe that uh, that was a general admonition for all believers, although some Christians seem, it seems, have a gift for hospitality. And so this has caused some to put hospitality is one of the gifts of the holy spirit the gift of hospitality maybe you've heard it described because some people seem to have a gift in that area i'll let you make the call fine okay i kind of think hospitality is something that we should all show it's like love there's no such thing as a gift of love it's a fruit Uh, fruit is grown the gifts are given so we don't pray for a gift of love we pray that we might draw closer to christ so that the god's will flow through us same so thing as with hospitality, I think. Now, the important thing, guys, to remember about spiritual gifts, and this is important, is that they are not toys to play with. They are tools to work with. And I have to mention that because some churches treat the gifts of the Spirit like they're, you know, it's an entertainment thing. It's all designed to kind of, uh, you know, bring a lot of hype and enthusiasm to the body of Christ so if it if in exercising the gifts the proper way I think it does bring enthusiasm and things into the body of Christ but um, the gifts are not an end in themselves they are a means to an end like a tool is not an end in itself it is used to bring about a certain end whether you're building or fixing or whatever it might be when Paul said in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 12 I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, about spiritual gifts. As I said last time, the word ignorant is super emphatic in the Greek. In other words, the exercise of spiritual gifts in the body of Christ, Paul realized was so vital to all that God wanted to do in and through the church, building us up and allowing us to serve the Lord properly so that the body of Christ is built, uh, people are saved. These gifts are so vital to the function of the church. Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant. Why? And he was talking to a church that had all the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation in their church. I think it's out of chapter 3, 1 Corinthians, he talks about that. But this was a chaotic church. They were exercising the gifts, but a lot of them didn't even really realize how some of them worked. And it was chaos. And Paul said, look, I don't want you to be ignorant as to how these gifts work. Because if you're ignorant and you're misusing them, they don't satisfy the function for which God gave them, which is to build you guys up as a body and to get the word out in ministry and so on. So Paul said, look, we have to understand how these gifts operate because we want to use them properly. All right, well, the first gift on the list in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8 is the gift of the word of wisdom. The gift of the word of wisdom. Now, guys, as we have said, there is a difference between wisdom in general and the gift of wisdom. First of all, wisdom is different from knowledge, okay? Knowledge and wisdom are not the same thing, although sometimes people use them interchangeably. Knowledge is the accumulation of information, whereas wisdom is the proper application of that information. When you're talking about Christians, information is where it all starts for us. We received the information of the gospel. That's how we got saved. We study the word. That's God giving us information, right? That's all necessary to be wise. But listen, you can be a Christian and have a lot of doctrine stuffed into your brain and you can recite uh, verses and so on and still not be wise. As a believer, say, so "What do you mean? How is that possible?" Well, you don't have to turn there. I'll just read to you a couple of scriptures. Matthew seven, right? Jesus said, Matthew seven twenty four. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, so they come to church and hear the word, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. I'll stop there, verse twenty six. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he will be uh, like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So you have two people who go to church and hear the word of God. One person takes it in and applies it. That's where the wisdom comes in. The other person just takes it in but doesn't do anything about it. So you can have, and there's a lot of folks like this. They can, they really know a lot of doctrine and they can read a lot of Bible verses. But as the writer to the Hebrews said, until you are taking what you're learning and applying it into your daily life, you're not going to grow, and the Word isn't going to benefit you. Now, guys, when Paul talks about the supernatural gift of the Word of Wisdom, he is not referring to the wisdom of this world. Now, we hear about or read about the wisdom of this world in various places. I'll read you two passages, First Corinthians 1, verses 19 and 20. Where Paul said, for it is written, God speaking now, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. He goes on in verse 20 to say, Has God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? Now, the wisdom of this world is basically, and I don't have time to get into it develop. We studied this in James, I think, pretty extensively. But just to, to, so you understand where I'm coming from. In the Garden of Eden... Two information streams started. God gave to Adam and Eve his word. Satan came in the form of a serpent, and he distorted and he twisted God's word. God said, don't eat the fruit of this tree, you will live. Satan said, eat it, you surely will not die. From that point, you have two information streams now that had gone out into the world. Of course, the information stream that came from God became the basis for Judeo-Christianity. God's truth, which is important if you're going to walk in godly wisdom. because you, Wisdom is the proper application of knowledge. Well, you have worldly knowledge, which gives way to worldly wisdom, and you have God's knowledge, or the knowledge of his word, which, if applied correctly, gives way to a life of godly wisdom, where you're applying God's word correctly. The wisdom of this world is basically man-centered. It's humanism. It's humanism. Because it started in the Garden of Eden, right? What did Satan tell Eve? You will not surely die because God knows in the day that you eat of the fruit of that tree, you will be what? You'll become like God. That's humanism. Humanism is the deification of self, of man. The Supreme Court already ruled years ago that humanism was a religion. And it is a religion. And that's why, if you think of it that way, that the wisdom of this world ultimately is man-centered, the deification of man, and so on, to the exclusion of God. That's why James, when he said in James 3.15, that this wisdom, talk about the wisdom of this world, does not descend from above, doesn't come from God, but is, listen, earthly, sensual, and demonic. Because it's all about getting us focused on ourselves. So, guys, the gift of wisdom has nothing to do with the wisdom of man. But listen to me. It also is not wisdom that comes from God in the sense that we can learn it from studying the Scriptures. It's not that either. Turn to Psalm 19. Psalm 19, verse 7. The psalmist said, The law of the Lord is perfect. Now, the law of the Lord is the word of God. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord, again, the word of God, is sure, listen, making wise the simple. When a Christian reads, studies, and applies the scriptures into their life, listen, they become wise. We just talked about that. This kind of wisdom is what Solomon admonished us to get in the book of Proverbs. With all your getting, studying and... a Get wisdom. Get into God's Word because that's the only way you're going to be able to be wise. You've got to know what God has said and then you have to learn how to apply it properly. But this is the, this is learned wisdom, right, is what I'm saying. Uh, this kind of wisdom is, uh, is a learned wisdom that is always with us. It's a reservoir of wisdom that we can tap into and draw from anytime we want because we've studied the Word. It's in our hearts, okay? And I have it in my heart. I can always Applied into a situation. Well, they want me to lie at work about this. Thou shalt not lie. Know that from the Ten Commandments. I'm not doing it. You know what I'm saying? However, guys, we're talking about the gift of the Word of Wisdom. And, guys, that is not learned wisdom. It is not a reservoir of wisdom you can tap into at will. The gift of the Word of Wisdom is a supernatural wisdom given by the Holy Spirit. In a time of need, listen, to answer a question, to solve a problem, or to diffuse a crisis. And when it is given for the situation, critics are quiet, problems are solved, conflicts are resolved, and everyone marvels at the pearl of wisdom that was just spoken, which testifies to, listen, it came from God and not from us. I mean, when God speaks through you with a word of wisdom, it tends to leave people almost speechless. It's so brilliant and so wise, and that should be the giveaway. You know, uh, you know, if I'm speaking something so brilliant and so wise, guess what? It's not me, it's God. That's, you know, a little giveaway. So guys, what we're talking about is a gift of supernatural wisdom for the moment. For the moment. An Old Testament example, a classic example, comes out of 1 Kings 3. Why don't you turn there? 1 Kings 3. I'm not going to read you the whole story because you know it. But I do want to read verse 28. But in 1 Kings 3, we have the story of two uh, harlots who lived in the same house, and they both bore a son pretty near each other, like a week or so, a few days, okay? You know, they had these babies in bed with them. And one of the gals rolls over in the night and smothers her son. Well, she realized what she has done. She takes the dead baby and quietly goes into the other room and switches the baby with the other woman's child, who's alive, and brings her child back into her room and pretends it's her baby. In the morning, the one woman gets up and is going to nurse her child and realizes the child's dead. But at closer examination, she says, this is my baby. And so now she goes in and confronts the other gal. And so a big brouhaha, so they had to bring it to court. And, of course, they stood before the king, King Solomon. And so they both told him the story. And, you know, after they got done sharing the story, no, 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 the live baby's mine, the dead baby's hers. No, 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 it's the other way around. And Solomon looks at his uh, his guys standing around and says, quite a, quite a problem. One says it's her baby, the other one says, no, it's my baby. Bring me a sword. Cut the baby in half and give me each half. Well, the real mother said, no, 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 king, please, don't hurt the child. Let, let her have the baby. The other one says, no, let's cut it in half. We'll both have a half. And Solomon says, don't hurt the child. That's its mother, the one who wanted to spare its life. Now, guys, let me just say this before I read verse 28. Solomon did have a reservoir of wisdom he could draw from anytime he wanted because he was a great student of things. We, we've looked at this in other passages. I mean, he had a PhD, you might say, in like you know, all these different areas of study. Very learned man. And from it, he had great wisdom. But I believe even as wise as he was, he's exercising in this situation the gift of the word of wisdom. And how do I know? Because of the reaction. Verse 28, And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered, and they feared the king. For they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. So I believe we're seeing an Old Testament example of the gift of the word of wisdom and operation there. Now in the New Testament, there's numerous examples. I'll give you two or three. Turn to Luke 20. It's important that you see these things, mm-hmm. these gifts in operation in the New Testament. So you can really get an idea of what's going on. So Luke 20, starting with verse 20. Of course, this is now the last week of Jesus' life, and the, his enemies are really trying to get him. They're trying to get him to, to incriminate himself somehow, some way. So, verse 20 So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be righteous that they might seize on his words in order to deliver him to the power and the authority of the governor. They wanted to have him crucified. Verse 21. Then they asked him, saying, Teacher, we know that you say and teach rightly, and you do not show personal favoritism, but teach the way of God in truth. Now be careful when people butter you up. They only butter you up, they're going to try to eat you up, devour you in some way. So they come to the Lord, butter him up, right? And so now they hit him with the, this is where the, you know, the, the trap question. Verse 22. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now, that was a real hot-button issue. And it got into what was called the head tax, which was a tax for the right to exist. Uh, Roman imposed this tax, that you had to pay simply for the right to exist. And, of course, the Jewish people were furious because God gave them the right to exist, not any man, right? So this is a hot-button question. They figured, you know, we're going to really get them with this. But Jesus perceived their craftiness and said to them, Why do you test me? Show me a denarius. Whose image and inscription does it have? They answered and said, Caesar's. He said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's, that belong to God. Now, the Lord Jesus right there was demonstrating the gift of the word of wisdom and operation. Again, look at the reaction and they marveled at his answer and kept silent. They're speechless. I mean, that, think about that answer. I love it. Here they thought they had an ironclad trick question. What, whatever he just, if he said, yes, it's lawful, the Jews would have turned against him. If he would have said, no, it's not lawful, then they would have reported him to Rome. He would have been arrested. They thought they had him. Lawful to pay taxes, these or not? Who's got a denarius? Whose inscription is that? An image. Uh, it's Caesar's. Flipped it back down. But then give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. Wow. Amazing. Turn to uh, to Acts 23. In Acts 23, Paul is brought before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish high council of which he had been a member at one time before he got saved. So they bring Paul in for questioning. And they hear he has. Um, has been teaching people not to keep the law, not to abide by the law of Moses, and so on. So they want to bring him in for questioning so that they can maybe do him in. So verse 1, Acts 23, verse 1, Then Paul, looking earnestly at the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. And the Greek implies with a closed fist. And Paul had bad eyesight. He couldn't really see. He didn't see it coming either. And so the Ananias had you know, motioned, and they, they labeled him in the mouth. And so he knew this was not going to be any kind of a fair hearing at all. But then it is in verse 6. But when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees, in other words, half were Sadducees, the others were Pharisees. Let me stop there. The Pharisees were ultra-conservatives. They believed in the supernatural, miracles, angels, resurrection and so on. Sadducees were ultimate materialists. they didn't believe in any of that. Life after death, angels, uh, you know, miracles, none of the, resurrection, none of that. Paul perceived at that moment half were Pharisees, half were Sadducees. That's another gift in operation, the gift of the word of knowledge. We'll see that in just a minute. And it gave way to God leading Paul to use the gift of the word of wisdom. So the word of knowledge, Paul understood, half of the chamber was Pharisees, the other half Sadducees. Wisdom, how to use that against them. And so he said, look, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. Concerning the hope of the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged. And when he had said this, the dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. In other words, Paul was no longer the focus. They were fighting on with each other. Verse 8, for Sadducees say that there is no resurrection and no angel or spirit, but the Pharisees confessed both. Then there arose a loud outcry, and the scribes of the Pharisees' party arose and protested, saying, We find no evil in this man, but if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him, let us not fight against God. Now when there arose a great dissension, the commander, fearing lest Paul might be pulled to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and bring him into the barracks. So Paul was delivered out of their hands by exercising a couple gifts of the Holy Spirit, which God gave them on the spot for this situation. Guys, I've experienced this gift in teaching, counseling, witnessing, answering a bible question that initially i didn't really under, know what to say and you just pray silently and all of a sudden boom an answer comes it wasn't me all of a sudden it makes perfect sense what's going on i i've seen it in my life when i had a tough problem and i took some time to pray and all of a sudden the answer came it was wisdom from above It's what it was god gave me this a word of wisdom I wish I could tell you that this wisdom stayed with me and became a reservoir I could tap into anytime I faced a difficult problem. But that's not how it works, okay? That's not how it works. It's called a word of wisdom. In other words, limited to that situation. Not called a reservoir of wisdom, just a word of wisdom for that specific problem, situation, whatever it is. Now, God may give us the gift of the word of wisdom more than once I've experienced it more than once many times but again it's only for one situation at a time so you might be facing an incredible problem situation you pray and boom this answer comes this course of action it's so wise next time you're facing a difficult problem you're praying and Lord where's that wisdom I, I don't feel like I did last time well maybe this time God isn't going to give you the gift of the word of wisdom he'll work it out He'll show you what to do, but it won't be that zap of wisdom that all of a sudden, I just know what to do, okay? Well, the second gift Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 12, 8, again, it says, to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another, listen, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. The second gift of the Spirit that Paul mentions uh, is the gift of the word of knowledge, And guys, the gift of the word of knowledge, like the gift of the word of wisdom, is not learned knowledge. It's not the accumulation of information that is acquired by studying a subject. This is knowledge about something or someone that is supernaturally revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. Listen, it's information that you didn't learn, nor was it information that someone shared with you. But all of a sudden, you know something. Uh, that's going on in someone's life. You don't know how you know it? Okay, you just know it. Because the Spirit has revealed it to you. And uh, You might be talking to someone, and all of a sudden the Spirit speaks to your heart and says, this person's having an affair. Or, this person just came from the doctor and found out they have cancer. Or, this person is contemplating suicide. Sometimes the Spirit reveals something to us, about uh, someone else who is in sin, that we might confront them in the hopes that they will repent and get their life right with God. I think uh, most of the time, though, God reveals things. You say, well, why would God reveal that to me? Why would God give me a little piece of information like that? You want to know why for the most part? To get you praying. To get you praying because God is going to work somehow. It might be through you. It might be through somebody else, but God is revealing it. I know this not to show us how spiritual we are and certainly not for us to share it in the form of gossip with others. God will share this word of knowledge, this little bit of information, which has been supernaturally revealed to you. And the main reason he does it is to get you praying because God wants to work in this person's life. I remember years ago, my pastor told a story years ago about how one day They were in church, him and his wife, and this gentleman came up that they knew very well. He was a pillar in the church, okay, been there forever, and successful businessman, so on. And uh, they both said hi to him, and as he walked away, Kay said to Pastor Chuck, that man's having an affair with the secretary. And Chuck said, honey, he's a pillar in the community. I mean, aren't you being a little critical-hearted? I mean, come on, he would never do... Something like that. Kay said, he's having an affair with the secretary. The Lord just spoke to me. Let's pray. So they began to pray. Three weeks later, Chuck gets a phone call. It's this man and his wife. They're both crying. I said, Chuck, we need to come in and talk to you. They came right in. And he confessed that he was having an affair with the secretary. But he had confessed it to his wife. They wanted to get it right. He wanted to get it right with God, confessing it now to his pastor. See, this, these are powerful gifts. If they're used properly, if they're abused, they can do great damage. If God reveals to you something very sensitive about somebody else, and you take that and you share it in the form of gossip, first of all, I'm not sure God will ever share it with you again. Something like that. But secondly, God will hold you responsible for taking something that was supposed to be kept in private, confidential, and for spreading it around in the form of gossip. But let me just say this. God always has a purpose for giving us a word of knowledge. Again, it's never to make us feel spiritual or to gossip. It's always a tool to accomplish the will of God in that person's life. Turn to John chapter 1. And let me just stop and say this. I've heard non-charismatic pastors, when they come to 1 Corinthians 12, interpret these gifts, uh, the gift of the word of knowledge is the teaching of God's word. No, it's not. It's supernatural revelation from God about a specific thing going on in somebody's life or something going on that God wants you to begin to pray about, okay? in john chapter 1 starting with verse 43 we read the following day jesus wanted to go to galilee and he found philip and said to him follow me now philip was from Bethsaida the city of andrew and peter philip found nathanael and said to him we have found him of whom moses in the law and also the prophets wrote jesus of nazareth the son of joseph and nathanael said to him get anything good?" Come on, Nazareth. The Messiah comes out of Nazareth. Like I say, Messiah came out of uh, Las Vegas or something. Yeah. Come on, no way. Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, When you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered, said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You shall see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. If you're really interested in all of that, go back and listen to that section in our study in John's Gospel online. I want you to notice, though, Jesus is exercising the gift of the word of knowledge. Here, it says, you know, Nathaniel said, how do you know me? Jesus said, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Sometimes the Spirit will actually give you a picture in your mind of something going on. I think most of the time it's a verbal thing. But sometimes, as Jesus demonstrated right here, the Spirit of God will actually cause you to have a a picture flash across your mind of something. And, uh, you know, and uh, that will be necessary uh, in some way for why he revealed that piece of information to you. But I think most of the time it's verbal. Turn to John 4. Jesus is talking to the woman by the well of Sychar, a Samaritan woman. John 4, starting with verse 13. He said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have said well, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you are now, whom you now have is not your husband, and that you spoke truly. And what did she say? Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Well, more than a prophet. But Jesus is here exercising a gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the word of knowledge. He knew the Holy Spirit revealed to him that this woman had been married and divorced five times and was now living with a guy. And this event, this revelation to her that he knew her life, led to her conversion, where she now understood he was a man of God, a prophet, and she listened to what he said and she got converted. Turn to Acts five. So Acts chapter five verse one. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession. There were people were selling pieces of property and giving the money to the disciples to help other poor Christians. So they uh, had this piece of property, they sold it, uh, but they kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit, and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? In other words, we never asked you to sell your property. Nobody told you you had to sell your property. And even after you did sell your property, nobody told you you had to give all the money to us. But because you've lied to the Holy Spirit. He said, why, why have you conceived this in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who had heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Uh, now it was about three hours later that his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, uh, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet, breathed her last, and the young men came in, found her dead carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all those who heard these things. So the Holy Spirit gave to Peter a word of knowledge that they had lied about how much they sold the land for and uh, that they had given it all to the church when they didn't have to give anything. The issue was not they didn't give the money. Uh, I heard a pastor who was trying to teach very hard on tithing look at here he said because they didn't tithe they were struck dead no you know come on man no they were struck dead because they lied nobody told me to sell their property or give the money to the church once they did it was because they lied they played the hypocrite look at us how wonderful and spiritual we are it was hypocrisy that's why they were struck dead now listen listen there you know this gift operates you know in some different ways but in my ministry there have been times when i have been teaching and suddenly something pops into my head and i share it or uh, some kind of an illustration to make my point and afterwards uh this happened more than once more than a few times a person who i'd never seen before would come up to me and say did my friend tell you i was going to be at church today what do you mean well yesterday i was telling them what i was going through and and, and i came to church today." You, You talked about that very thing. Did they call you and tell you I was going to be here to have you teach about that from the pulpit? No, I I don't know who you are. Nobody called me. How did you know the situation then? How did you know these things? Well, I didn't know these things. The Spirit of God just... And I didn't even know... I was exercising a spiritual gift. I remember one time I was teaching, um, and I was teaching something completely unrelated to tongues. I don't know where I was. But I was teaching, and all of a sudden, I started getting into this thing about tongues. And I, I remember part of it was, you know one and there is something legitimate happening with these people in church who are speaking in tongues, and those people who write it off, I mean, just saints of the devil, we'll talk about that when we get there, uh, it's just flat out wrong. And I'm after I, I got done talking like this, I actually thought to myself, why in the world did you say that? Seriously. I was like... Where did that come from? Why did I even go there? I just brushed it off. After service, some person I never saw before came up and said, this is something that they were wrestling with. They had just talked about it the night before, even one of those deals. And God just, to let them know that we were teaching the word of God, that he was here, and that when somebody, when God speaks to a person that specifically, it is a way of taking them back. Like God has just, he, he's just nailed me. He's just revealed something that was in my heart. Nobody else knew this maybe. It's, it's very interesting how that works. Guys, these are supernatural gifts from the Holy Spirit, but often they work in such natural ways we don't even realize we're exercising a spiritual gift. We'll leave it there. But uh, the next gift we will study comes out of 1 corinthians 12 it's the gift of faith and i think you'll find this very important uh, especially because well come back next week and we will we'll check it out okay father we thank you for your word we thank you lord that if we will study your word you will give us light you will give us you'll give us guidance as you said lord jesus to your disciples the night before the cross Many of the things I want to teach you, but you're not ready to receive them. But when the Spirit comes, he will lead you into all truth. He'll open your understanding. He will teach you what you need to know. And Lord, thank you that your word, through the power of the Spirit, you teach us things that we need to know. Uh, Lord, there's nothing worse than an ignorant Christian, someone too lazy to open the word and to study what you have said on, you know, a number of very important topics, the gifts of I think is one of those important topics, but Lord, thank you. If we will take just a little time by Your grace, and leading, You will open our understanding to these things, and we want, as the end result, to not be ignorant of spiritual gifts, and to have all of them in operation in our church, but in the right way, being exercised in a way that is not causing confusion or uh, whatever else. So, Lord, thank you. We ask you to continue to bless these studies in your word. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.